out of film. It's a podcast like no other, except for all the other movie podcasts. But this one has us, if that helps sell the premise. Welcome, everyone, once again to Unsolicited Conjecture Movie Club, the podcast where we uh, talk about a movie that we watched. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Josh, and over there... Hello, everyone. It's me, Jeremy, your other other host. Yeah, that's Jeremy. Yeah, I'm here. Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, considering uh, it's the same day as the last time we said, how are you doing today? It is. Isn't it funny how that works with uh, content and media? It is. That's weird. Uh, so, so if you listen to our last podcast, you know exactly what we're about to talk about right now. Or if you even looked at the title. Yeah, there's lots of ways you could know what we're about to talk about. I feel like we put it out there. Yeah, yeah. But if somehow you don't know, what we are going to talk about is 2018's Mandy. A film by Panos Cosmatos. Uh, and he's good at making films. <clears throat> it was definitely uh, an interesting watch, visually speaking. Oh, yeah. This movie is uh, kind of a movie, but it's also kind of like a revenge fever dream acid trip. Yeah, it's hard to describe what it actually is, honestly, especially after just watching it. Yeah, it's something, and your your opinions might be very different tomorrow too you know accurate this movie takes some time to to settle in it's kind of it's very surreal uh basically all the way through. i would recommend making sure you watch this movie in a dark room yes watch it in a dark place watch it uh by yourself no you don't have to watch it by yourself yeah just watch, watch it, it in a dark place yeah, for sure. if there's a lot of glare on the tv it's going to be diff- difficult so we had some glare issues but i feel like for the most part uh we're you know, you you probably get the get the gist of it. Yeah, well, you've seen it a, a bunch of times. <laughs> I've seen obviously. it a bunch of times. This is this is one of my faves. Yeah, I've wanted to see it for a long time. I've been recommended this movie by a lot of people, and now I have finally seen it. You have. Congratulations! Yay! <laughs> there it is. Oh, where where those people come from? <laughs> uh, so, Mandy, twenty eighteen. Let's get down to business. Uh, rated. Uh, nothing. I don't think it was rated. Yeah, it said not rated on the DVD cover that it's you provided. Not rated. IMDb six and a half out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes ninety percent, and eighty one percent on Metacritic. It's funny the vast difference there between the two. Yeah, but as we said earlier before recording, uh, this this movie it makes perfect sense that a bunch of people wouldn't get this movie or wouldn't like this movie. Bunch of cheddar goblins. Yeah, bunch of cheddar goblins. So budget about six million dollars. Uh, Way higher than the last movie we watched. It is six times, in fact. But yeah, six million dollar movie. Uh, this is Panos Cosmatos' second film after his first film. Uh, uh, that's usually how it works. It is sometimes. Uh, the first film was uh, been behind the Black Rainbow. I believe it's called. Uh, they did mention it during the little behind the scenes thing we yeah. watched at the I end of the I think it's behind DVD. the black rainbow. I haven't seen it yet. It looks cool. Uh, as this one is. Gross, I don't know. I couldn't really find anything. No, well, that's because it said it released to small 
theaters. Um, I think it said it made like a, a one and a half million dollars in like a very small theatrical release. And then I don't know. I know it got a four minute standing ovation. It did. It, what was it? A can. Yeah, a can that's what it said. Four festival. minutes. And yeah. I thought, I, I love things, but I can't imagine clapping for any one thing for four minutes straight. Well, what if Nicolas Cage was standing there looking at you? You'd feel awkward if you stopped. I think I would have to. Everybody else around you is still clapping. At too. some point, your your palms start getting like numb from the yeah. clapping, or you do the thing where like you move to a different part of the ski. You start you forearm the, the clapping. The snaps. Yeah, well, that's move more on to snaps. That's more of a jazz. Yeah, thing, I think. it's more of a little uh, hipster poetic that's, read that's thing. The beatniks. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about. Uh, go great. for it. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I cut you off. I forgot we're still doing the stats part. We are. That's, I mean, that's most of them. Gross. It, it went to streaming. I think it went to Shudder. I don't know how much Shudder paid to get this movie. But wow, I okay. I don't been, have Shudder. I had it originally when it first came out, but I don't have it on any of my devices anymore. We've had Shudder periodically. We'd get it and then watch stuff and then get rid of it for a, a while. Yeah. And I think the last time was like two years ago. But it's been on. I'm pretty sure it's been on there nonstop. Uh, but yeah, good movie. Starring Nicolas Cage as Red, Andrea yep. Riceborough as Mandy, Linus Roach as Jeremiah Sand, and Bill Duke, Predator's own Bill Duke, as Carruthers. Uh, he should have just played Bill Duke. That would have Bill been, Duke yeah. just labeled Bill just, Duke. Yeah. Uh huh. Bill Duke, the actor. He didn't actually need to be called Carruthers. I don't think he said his name once. No. To be fair, I don't remember anyone saying Red Miller's name. No, either. I don't think they do. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage, he's sort of an unnamed protagonist. Yeah, I like through. that. Yeah, it doesn't matter what his name is. Casting so, was really good. Before you move on from casting, I just want to talk about the Andrea Risenborough, the Mandy. Yeah, the, the main female Mandy. lead. That was a great cast selection because the majority of her shots on screen, I felt like, were ghostly in nature. So and she kind of has that physique, that build to her face that they use. So that it was a good construct there. I think it worked well. There's a sadness to her, her face. Her eyes. That, she has very big eyes, yeah. like Amanda Siegfried. Is that her name? Siegfried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's uh, she's great. I don't. I didn't recognize her from anything else. No, me neither. This is the first thing I think I've ever seen her in, really. Um, but Linus Roach, he's been in some stuff. Yeah, he I was, definitely uh, noticed him. Linus Roach, who plays Jeremiah Sand, the cult leader, he uh, he was actually Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins. And what also is funny is the guy who plays the chemist in this movie, he was Joe Chill in Batman Begins. So they lost all of their money in Gotham and had to go do something new. Well, Joe Chill is the guy that killed Thomas Wayne. So It was a ploy. Yeah. They, they just they, ran they, off together. We now found them. Yeah, they ran off together. You learned uh, it here. They are gay lovers, and they ran away <laughs> and started the Church of the Children of the New Dawn. Yeah, something together. along those lines. So, yeah, uh, this movie produced by Spectre Vision, the uh, production company by Elijah Wood, Daniel Noah, and Josh Waller. So Elijah Wood famously uh, destroyed Sauron's ring in Mount Doom. That is true. He also... Um, the funny part is what I remember him from the most, I think, is what was that movie? Sin City? Yeah, where he Sin played City. He the, was the yellow bastard. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, was No, not the no, yellow guy. He, he was, was the, the guy eyes. with the glasses. Yeah, yeah. The glasses. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't seen that for a long time. Me neither. That's a fun one. That's another uh uh 
Potential future read? But Zack Snyder, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, Zack Snyder's Sin City. And then they made the next one with, uh, I think Sam L. Jackson was the lead. What was that one called? Oh, the, the second Sin City movie? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. I know it wasn't as Dame, popular. Dame to Kill For or something. It had like a James Bondy sounding yeah. sort of title. All right, so like back that. to Mandy. Yeah, Mandy. So uh, is that a, is that everything for, for cast? And f I guess there's not a lot of... This is the problem with these streaming reviews when we do them is that there's not really that many numbers to go with it. No, not, not many numbers. Uh, like I said, the main things for this one, Panos Cosmatos is kind of a, a, a visual genius. Yeah, it was it, it, stylistically, it was him. Yeah, I've never seen his movies or any of his stuff before, but obviously this is him. One hundred percent. Such a sense of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very unique vision for the whole film and Spectre Vision. Like I said, Elijah Wood's company, um, they're doing some really good stuff with low budget horror and making high quality products out of there. Yeah, it's hard to even call this horror. Honestly, I even asked you when we started, I was like, so this is like horror. And you were like, no, not really. It's yeah. It. I mean, there are horror elements. There are fantasy elements. Yeah, there are there's tension drama elements. There's a lot going on. It's a it's sort of a drug fueled revenge. That's movie. the truth. Lots um, of drug fueledness. So let me ask you a question. We both know my first time viewing it was right before we recorded this. Yeah. But where's where the first time you saw it? Like, what made you uh, really go see this movie? Since especially it's not something that you would see in the theater. Um, This one, I, well, I found out about this one from, from my wife. My, my wife. wife uh, <laughs> she has her, she does her, she does some gruesome magazine stuff. Yeah, go so ahead. Give your wife guys, a plug. You can plug your wife. Uh, gruesome magazine. Uh, has a podcast as well. They talk about uh, gruesome things like horror movies, and one of them was uh, this. So I, I was. So you found a whole out, bunch of people. Did yeah. you watch it with your wife for her to review it? Then I take it, or did I think you watch so. I it? Think we watched it together. I, I ended dig. up watching a lot of movies with her when she she would then go and review them, and now I review. Take as that. Well. I mean, she still does too, but we have our own show now, and. People can listen to it if they want. Yeah, we didn't ask for your opinion. That's why it's called unsolicited. It is true. No one asked for our reviews. Yet here they are. All right, so y'all already know I have not seen it until just now, but we'll go on to our next little topic matter, which is usually originality. We're going to try and go back to that. Uh, oh, yeah. So the originality, obviously, we talked about it a lot so far. Um, right there, it's banger. It's definitely something, well, I guess originality of the plot maybe not so much but the way he interpreted this typical yeah. plot is very unique it's a simple story it's a it's a very simple story it's a story you've heard and seen a hundred times it's really it's the crow it's the punisher it's it's that but it's through this lens of drugs yeah drugs but also drugs and f fantasy and rage and sorrow uh, like all of those sort of mixed together um yeah i would say i mean for originality i can't think of anything else that's similar to this or that i would really categorize this with once again in my own personal head canon this movie fits into uh like crazy modern good nicholas cage movies along with like uh the color out of space which was also specter vision um yeah i haven't seen that one yet either but yeah, there's nothing else really like this that has this mixture of like Frank Frazetta 
high fantasy mixed with, uh, well, metal. It's like heavy metal. Yeah, no. It's heavy <clears throat> metal filtered through this, like, 1983. Very colorful. It's a it's a dark movie, but it's in- incredibly colorful. Yeah, the title scenes all remind me of The Dark Crystal, 100%. That's exactly what they all look like, something straight out of that. Yeah, and the structure, too. You get this first, this first section called the... The Lonely Mountain or the, yeah. the Sleepy uh-huh. Mountain or something. And then the next section is called The Children of the New Dawn, which introduces you to the yep. cult. And then it's not until, like, what, 30, 40 minutes into the movie where you actually get the, the, the scene. Mandy cut Yeah, scene, the Mandy like the, scene. The, the title, title scene. So yeah, that shit was crazy. It's t- technically a 40-minute cold open. I also kind of felt like the first 15 minutes of it was like an ex- Almost like an exact viewing of the Wolverine, the way it starts with him being like a lumberjack in the woods and his wife oh, at home. Yeah. And then she gets She's murdered. Gonna, gonna start telling him about when the The Moon. Yeah, the moon. Tells tell some stories about the moon. Instead she was painting pictures about the, the lion moon. Yeah, she's like reading fantasy books and painting dragons and and mountains and wizards and stuff. It's really I, lo- I love this. I love a lot of this movie. Yeah, visually um, speaking, it's on point. So let's move on to kind of talking about that, the generalized like plot of the movie, since okay. we just kind of ran it over. W- w- what's going on here? So this movie starts off in 1983 uh, with a character named Red. On- we only know that from the credits. I don't think they ever say it. Yep, um, that's accurate. He's, he's named Red. <clears throat> he's a lumberjack. He's working in the woods. He takes a helicopter home. And he goes home to his wife, I guess, or girlfriend. Yeah, they never I, specify. I, we don't know the relationship. They're obviously they're in love and they're together. And it's when they're together, it's it's very intimate. It's very quiet. It's a lot of whispered conversations to each other. But it really, it's it's a very innocent kind of pure relationship. Yeah, yeah, they talk about deep things that most people don't talk about in movies. And also just stupid things, like, what's your favorite planet? And we get that Galactus reference in there. uh Um, So it feels like Wolverine. They're talking about Galactus. But they really show that these two people, they just... She tells a story about her her dad making her, you know, smash baby birds and stuff and running away. So she's clearly troubled. She's clearly a product of abuse. And, I mean, I get the sense just... (laughs) You know, from watching it, that they're probably, you know, both had some drug issues in the past. Yeah, they later, never really. Later on, when he gets the vodka, it's in the bottom drawer in the bathroom, which seems like we keep the vodka there for emergencies. Yeah, but we, we don't. I don't drink anymore. Yeah. you know, that's they never kind of talk about what happened with. She has this facial scarring. Yeah, and they, I don't. I don't think that's her in real life. I don't think she has that. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that's that's part of it, but. Yeah, so you you get this picture of a guy and his his girl who moved to the woods to not be bothered by anyone, just to focus on each other. Yeah. And that's, they're happy, and everything's great. Until she's walking down a road one day. To go to work. To go to work, and a van drives past that just happens to have a cult leader in it who sees her and becomes like infatuated with her and decides he he needs to add her to his collection of 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 worshipers i guess um at which point the movie starts to take an, an even weirder turn uh where this cult um obviously 
this is where you know where, where we first meet Linus Roach as Jeremiah Sand, and he's talking to this, <laughs> he's talking to one of his followers, and he he tells him like you know what to do to like bring me this girl. And he's like, do you have the horn of Abraxas? <laughs> and he pulls out this crazy-looking stone-carved... Whistle. Uh, yeah. Like, what? Where? It's not And then the green anymore. light starts glowing every time they show something that's supposed to be, like, holy to yeah, them. Yeah, there's these magical... It's a regular movie, but then there's just magical artifacts in it sometimes. Like that. And they blow... They go out into the woods and blow this horn. And these uh, Cenobite biker gang <laughs> shows yeah. up. But they, they originally when they're they're introduced, they introduce it as though it's some sort of like like this is a mystical creature coming through the fog. Yeah. And then the closer that you get, you realize it's these bikers. It's like demon bikers. So that's one really cool thing that I liked about this movie is the way they're always setting you up to make you feel like this is mystical or fantasy. But it never is until that very last scene with the the sky looking yeah, like Mars or something. Well, it gets the the, the yeah the environment. Sort yeah, the of further changed. you go along, the, the further down the down the rabbit hole kind of he goes. Yeah, the more of that insane acid you take. So this cult basically hires this evil biker gang in exchange for blood to kidnap Mandy, and they do. They they break into the house. They they you know knock out Nick Cage, and <laughs> then we have Mandy waking up in her own house, surrounded by these other two women who proceed to drip what's a, I, I guess uh, LSD in her eyeballs. Yeah, I think that's actually what those bikers meant by blood for blood. I think they were drinking the acid vat. Well, they were, but they thing. also drank. Then they also drank that kid. The fat kid. Well, we don't know that they drank him. He just kind of disappeared in a weird way. I think they ate him. Yeah, I think maybe they ate him. (laughs) But, yeah, they love blood, those guys. Um, So we don't really know what they are. Um, At one point, we get a story saying, like, oh, they're they're a biker gang, and they they took bad acid, and they've never been the same since. Good thing Carruthers was there to tell us all that. All the information we know about the whole movie was told for us by Carruthers Carruthers in two minutes. He knows. He, He keeps his ear to the ground. Obviously, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So we end up with uh, uh, her inside and getting stung by some weird gigantic bee. Yeah, like it kept in formaldehyde, but also alive. Yeah, yeah, still stinging, but in formaldehyde. And then, like one of the craziest. I call scenes. that the cherry on top. <laughs> That's what the lady said. Uh, this next scene with Mandy. Like talking to Jeremiah, yeah, is so trippy. It is crazy. <laughs> it really is. Um, the way that it's like one static long shot of Jeremiah as he's explaining, "Oh, I'm God" or whatever, and like her face keeps m- morphing into his face. And yeah, back. they're morphing the top half, but not the mouth. Sometimes the, the like, mouth, yeah, the cheeks and the eyes and the forehead, and it just keeps like phasing back and forth between their two it, faces. It's this very subtle effect that like, yeah. you can't, you don't, you can't tell if it's happening or not until it's all the way done. And then, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, but basically Jeremiah gives her her spiel and puts on his weird, uh, cult record of his his number one hit single, which is wretched. Yeah, and uh, asks if 
Do you, you like the Carpenters? This is even better. This is even better. Uh, it's not better than the Carpenters. No, not even close. Um, but then she just laughs at him. <clears throat> he takes off his robe and gets naked and expects her to worship him or suck his dick or something. And then See, I just... couldn't tell what was going on right there. To me, since they don't really show what's going on, they're kind of implying what's going on. It kind of looked like he was having an issue getting an erection and she started laughing yeah, because definitely. he's like shaking. He couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And then he yells it. at everyone else not to look don't, at don't him. Look at me. Yeah. So that's what that's why I think that's what was happening right there. She yeah. was laughing at. But they don't really show it and they don't explain it. So well, you she, really don't know. She asked him. She's like, you wrote this song and it's about you. And yeah. the answer is yes, and then she starts laughing. Yeah, exactly. And she just keeps laughing, and then he can't get hard or whatever he's trying to do. So, of course, he reacts, you know, maturely like an adult <laughs> and puts her in a sleeping bag and lights it on fire. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, they kill Mandy. This cult kills Mandy hanging from a sleeping bag off of the, the, the swing set out back. Yeah, by lighting it on fire. As uh, Nick Cage is barbed wire tied up. And uh, we forgot to mention the dagger. Oh, yeah. He gets stabbed by the the <laughs> one of the cultists comes up to him and pulls this dagger out and he says, it's like, you stupid piece of shit. You don't even know. This is the pale blade. What is, no, this is the, the tainted blade of the pale knight yeah. straight from the abyssal realm. And Nick Cage, who has barbed wire going through his mouth gives him like the crazy all he can do is move his eyes yeah exactly and like it, it's such a great performance and then once again the green holy light strobe yeah on the this dagger has like an eyeball on the bottom of it and you're like where did they get that what is that and then what happened to it for he the rest of the movie and then, it. yeah you never see it again you never need it but so we don't know uh yeah he also but, gets stabbed by this giant basically sword and yeah. then it has they never really addressed that. I guess it was, hey, you can get stabbed a couple times. It was just, Sure, yeah. Just, yeah, I get stabbed right between the ribs with about five inches of blade. Well, that's that's what all the acid helps with. Accurate. The vodka. It was the, the, vodka, the vodka, honestly. Or the cocaine. Yeah. One of them. But <laughs> which there are both of in this. Oh yeah. He 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 definitely handles his his issues uh maturely. So <laughs> After watching his light, his wife burned to death in a sleeping bag, they all just leave and then leave him there tied up. He, Which is a weird choice, right? Yeah. I guess they thought he would die. From yeah, from stabbed. the knife. Yeah. Um, but he gets loose and goes inside. That was actually a pretty good, cool scene, the way they shoot. It was very drawn out, him pulling his hands through the barbed wire and cutting yeah. himself up. There's something real interesting about this movie where they sort of focus on, like, the banality of the scene after something crazy just happened, you know, where normally you'd feel like a movie would cut away or something like it really holds on that yeah. and focuses on that moment. So Nicholas Cage covered in his own blood and having just watched his wife burn to death goes back into the house and he's just standing there looking around at his living room and the TV is on. And then, and there's a Cheddar Goblin commercial on the TV. <laughs> so strange. Cheddar Goblin is the is the best macaroni and cheese. It's crafts, I guess, but Cheddar Goblin. It's just this green goblin puking vomiting up. mac and cheese on children's <laughs> on heads. Children. <laughs> and, and he just stands there and watches this super weird commercial covered in blood, and it ends, and he just goes, Cheddar Goblin, and just walks away. <laughs> it was so strange. It's so good. 
And then one of, I think, could really be one of Nicolas Cage's finest moments on film. He has like a full minute long scene. It's one static shot in a bathroom. And he goes into the bathroom. He's in his underwear and this awesome like tiger. Tiger shirt. Tiger jersey. like baseball jersey. Uh-huh. And he gets this bottle of vodka out of the, the bottom drawer and he's just slamming vodka and screaming for a minute straight. Well, actually, he goes through like a range of emotions I there. Know. Oh, it's incredible. He, he's, he's screaming and he's angry and then he's crying and then he's insane. He's insane through the whole thing. Correct. Basically. But he's just getting drunker and drunker and screaming and it's really, it's a, there's no way to explain that. You just have to watch Nicolas Cage getting to do what he does best yeah Um, you can tell that was a a one-hit take because nicholas cage's performance is on point but the camera movement is not so that's why they did it yeah it pushes in and then kind of pulls back out which almost feels like well the one part it pushes in and it's supposed to be like kind of a slow pullback but you can see the camera jerk up a little at one point and that's how you can tell it they got it and they were like Nah, he was on just point. Yeah, just yeah. keep it. We can't. That's cut what it. it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, man, it's such a great scene. At which point, then he decides to basically get his revenge. He does. He has to make two stops, though. He has to go to uh-huh. Bill Duke's house, Carruthers. Uh-huh. Carruthers to pick up his uh, his <laughs> really <laughs> crossbow, gi- gigantic crossbow called the Reaper. And custom-made bolts. And custom-made crossbow bolts. And then uh, Carruthers tells him about the the evil demon biker gang. Yeah, because he better be hunting proper things with these custom bolts that I made for him. Yeah, and then he goes home, and he casts... (laughs) I figured he did that at Carruthers' house also. Well, Carruthers, he lived in, like, a trailer, so I don't think he had, like, a... A basement forge. Well, I, mean, I don't they, know where it was, but he I went mean, to some forge somewhere. Red Miller lived in a house made of windows. He did. It was did you all see the, the outside on the behind the scenes shot? That was literally the whole back wall was nothing but just like nailed together old wooden windows. Yeah, it said they built that house for yeah. scra- or from scratch. That's for, pretty cool. The movie. Um, yeah. So then he. Yeah. He, so he, he, forges, <laughs> he forges the biggest aluminum axe. an axe. Yeah, he pours aluminum into a mold. But then hardens it. And then like forges steel. it like traditional yeah, he's way. hammering it after. It's our, it is the, and then it's instantly polished. Yeah. If you've watched Forged in Fire, then you know that uh, this is probably not. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But it looks really good. And it's got a spine in it for some reason. There's like a spine shape uh-huh. and a spike on the bottom and a big old axe head. They wanted to make it fantasy. real awkward to wield, but look cool. It's just an awesome like fantasy looking weapon. Uh, and he's he's got that in his number. It's almost like shirt. the like like the the movie montage scene of when someone gets like the relic weapon, yeah, or whatever game that is. Yeah, he forged he he forged his uh-huh. own Excalibur to go off on this quest because he sort of still got you know his his wife who loved fantasy and was always telling him these stories uh-huh. she was coming up with and when she was that reading. makes sense. So the fantasy, the more the fantasy kind of pervades his mind, it's sort of like her you know he's giving himself more over to to her or what's left what he has left of her um yes and then he goes hunting for <laughs> first evil they, they never evil show biker. him tracking them down at all that's what i thought was funny like there's no like where are they Carruthers yeah. said last time i saw him they was 
by the river or yeah, something or like up, that. Yeah, up north or something. And then from that, he knows where everyone is, and they're all in separate locations. Well, he hunts down those guys, and Carruthers had also mentioned the chemist. So he, then he finds the chemist after he takes mm. out the, after he takes out all the demon bikers, and then he makes his way to to the cult. Because even though he never says a word to the, he has an entire conversation with the chemist, even though he never says a word. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, there's some really cool, really cool scenes uh, uh, of him fighting these uh, these demon bikers, getting his his gear back. You know, he was nailed to the floor. Yeah, that point. was a really cool scene, actually. There was some good stuff there. Yeah, and then there's the the one like Cenobite biker who had like the big spike for a dick. Yeah, <laughs> was... and the, the the porn and the coke everywhere. Yeah, man. Uh, and after once again. He has his crazy fight scene with like a demon biker and he just like looks around and sees a broken mirror with a big pile of cocaine on it. And he just kind of reaches down slowly and picks it up and does a bunch of it. it. And then that's when he goes to find his gear and the super awesome LSD they've been talking about all movie. Yeah, which may have been the LSD that turned them into weird (laughs) demon monsters in the first place. That's what we were told. But he just sticks his finger in and taps to his tongue, and then the, the movie's wild from that point on. Literally, the second he touches his tongue, it makes that little drop noise, that, like, bloop It reminds noise. me of, like, almost the Doctor Strange, you know, <laughs> like, when he gets fired out. Yeah. Knocked out of his own body. Yeah, really cool. Uh, so, at that, once he, once he does all the acid and cocaine, then he needs to go find the chemist, and then we get the cool scene with the, the tiger. And like I said, he never says anything. The chemist just keeps talking. It's like, oh, they wronged you. And, and they like, never even say what happens at the end of that. Like, what what no, happens? He just, he just, he just, just lets the tiger him. out. Because the chemist doesn't I mean, care. He didn't really have any gripe with that guy. Yeah. That guy just makes drugs. He doesn't care if he yeah. makes drugs. And he's the one also who, I guess, sort of turned against that biker gang. And so he he rolled over on him. So he was fine. Good for them. Um, yeah. And then making his way up north to where the to the you know the the mordor of of this guy's weird uh wooden church yep. that they built uh-huh um it's like in this it's like in a ravine or like in a yeah uh, surrounded by mountain tops but yeah i mean it in a weird like way they built it like in like a quarry or something uh you know? those mountains were probably cg behind it honestly oh yeah i'm sure a lot yeah they, they probably played a lot with those and yeah it, where did they say was it vancouver they said they filmed it uh nova scotia isn't that what they said well, somewhere in canada it was canada i think either yeah. way um and then he, he kills everybody else we get that awesome chainsaw fight yeah yep we get, yep. A, we yep. get a, an axe through the mouth that's fun the, the pokey uh-huh the pokey side yeah the pokey side and then he just lets the other the girl go he lets the the, the nice girl yeah because she was crying way. basically all she did was cry the whole movie yeah and then he, he makes sense he cuts off the head of the weird old lady witch. After she tries to seduce him. Yeah. He just throws a head in. And then he, he kills the cult leader by squeezing his brains out. Hooray! Yeah. And then he gets in his car and looks over, covered in blood. Like <laughs> With the craziest smile ever. And he sees Mandy sitting next to him. And he just thinks about when, ostensibly what's when they met. You just kind of see them both in a bar and sort of like looking at each other for the first time. And it's like this special relationship that kind of saved them both that he's still trying to, you know, preserve. 
Yeah, uh, I wonder where he goes in life after this, oh, after this movie. Who knows? I mean, he can't. I don't know. You don't I, come back from that. No, there's no coming back from. You any don't come of back that. from that. Yeah, I don't think you. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I think we we've already kind of covered during the plot and everything we've talked about so far the originality of this movie and how the originality may not necessarily be there, but there's so much originality in the way he took that generic plot and made it his own in the visual storytelling. Yeah, I'd say it's a timeless story, but the way that the way that he he incorporates the yeah. other fantasy and horror and sci-fi kind of elements really are what gives it the originality gives so, the film experience the originality it has for sure if you had to pick one and i know there are many mm. what is your favorite scene going to be i mean i love him forging the axe <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous i mean it's 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 one of my the way when he lifts it up because it's chrome it's this chrome four foot long battle axe and the way it, it shimmers in the light and when he's he's wearing sunglasses He's wearing aviators as he makes this thing. And it's just so iconic looking. I love it. I love that. I mean, I love some of the animation, the little animated like vignettes. Yeah, those little, were interesting too. Little, like little cut little scenes, if you will. Hallucinations almost. Oh, well, that's every time he went to sleep, one of those came up. Yeah. Like whether he was knocked out or went to sleep willingly. Because he's still dreaming of her. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and once, once he killed the people that hurt her, she appeared to him like normally yeah. again, you know? Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably, I mean, there's so many really cool scenes in this movie. I love the chainsaw fight too. That was also really fun. Just in front of a, what it was in front of a flaming car or a giant bonfire. Yeah. Next to that. Yeah. The, the, the guy in the, uh, well, I mean, just the giant chainsaw. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, my favorite scene was when <laughs> he killed the guy that was, fucking washing his car when he just throws oh, the axe and yeah. it does the cheesy like spin and yeah. hits him right in the head i don't know why that one a, just made me laugh real hard yeah four foot long battle axe sticking out of a guy's head yeah <laughs> yeah that was really good i also love the scene when when that guy's there after they blow the horn of abraxas and the guy's just staring at the window rolling it up and down like how long do we wait and the drivers keeps getting annoyed at the sound it's pretty great yeah yeah, there's some good, uh, some really just amazing visuals in this movie. That's really what the whole movie is when it boils down to it. Like, it's a great story, great acting, all that stuff. It's all good. But amazing visuals would describe this movie more than any of those other things we just said. Yeah, and it's a very surreal kind of, you know, fantasy fever dream. It's just a lot of fun. Um now, uh, I would only I actually only had really one complaint with the movie and that was the constant the the we talked the, the droning noise, the wow. Yeah. Wah. And that's mostly at the beginning. It goes on a lot throughout the movie and it, a lot of times they do the uh where it just kind of undertones behind everything that they're saying too. Yeah. So that that was my only thing that I personally didn't like about it because it just put me in like this weird sleepy state. Which yeah. I wasn't digging. But, but I don't know. Maybe that's actually like what it was supposed to do. Too, maybe. You know? Because like I said, a lot of that, those scenes at the beginning when it's just like them like whispering to each other. It's like you're hearing these conversations that you shouldn't be part of. Yeah. Almost, you know? It's, there's, and I think it, it in a sense, helps like emphasize that 
you know, togetherness, the like their relationship, um, their the the safety that they both got from each other that was then taken away by some crazy guy who just decided that everything in the world was his. Yeah, but that that droning noise was there the entire movie almost. Oh, that's well, what I yeah. th- that's that's what I'm saying. I didn't like it, about yeah, it, is I that think. it was there like the whole time. I did really like though the fact that. Um, I mean, they shot this on an old Ari Alexa Mini with uh, Panasonic Anamorphic, and that was all shot in Ari Raw, which is 2.4K. So this mm-hmm. just goes to show, like, this is a $6 million film, and everyone, especially aspiring filmmakers and people trying to make their own things, they're always like, I need the highest resolution possible. Oh, there's 6K available. I have to be shooting with 6K. And this is a prime example of just like knowing the right tool for the right job. He could have easily picked something newer that would have crushed a lot of that low light noise grain that you see throughout the whole movie. There's a lot of digital grain added though too. It's not like they, he wanted that look no it's well the ari alexa the the mini in particular is it's known for not having good low light performance yeah. and that's why it was chosen in particular yeah like he wanted something that made it look older than it was well it's funny in the behind the scenes video he he said uh there's uh he was talking about uh ridley scott the ridley scott quote yeah. from blade runner where he, he said you know you Rain and and darkness are your best friends, yeah. Because can hide a lot of the to the crimes to use the the Adam Savage terminology. Did he say but, rain or grain? I know we talked about rain. Because rain. then okay. he said we couldn't afford rain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's but right. we had plenty of darkness. And yeah, the grain was the same way though too. I loved it. I don't think it wasn't shot on film. Right, it was shot. Digitally, yeah, it's digital, but it's but it's a, it feels like film. Yeah, right? the um, I believe the mini came out in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And like I said, I mean Ari Raw. Sense. It's it's known for its skin color, but 2.8K. Like yeah. that's basically 1080, a little yeah. lower than 1080, I think actually. Yeah. But um, that just goes to show. Like once again, they made excellent choices there. So. When it comes down to things that I would change about the movie, I would say basically nothing except for that droning noise in certain points. Uh, but other than that, I thought the movie was great all on its own. What do they call those, like beta waves or something? Yeah, maybe I don't know trying, what they're maybe called. Maybe it's like some mind control attempt. Maybe. Uh, no, I, I I, love it. I think it's uh, – I don't know what I would change about it. Uh, it's such a unique perspective, you know? Like – when you sit down and watch a Marvel movie that you know is assembled yeah. by committee, you're like, eh, I don't know if I would have made that choice or not. Because you also know there's a bunch of people making decisions and there's a lot of options and things you can go for. This this guy's such like an auteur. He's 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 got such a you know unique perspective. It's hard to say like, well, I wouldn't, I don't like that scene, you know, or yeah. I would made that green instead of pink. It, it you know the crazy, <laughs> you know, colors coming in from the corners and stuff. No, I liked all the choices. I liked all the anamorphic flair that was put in there. Like those were all strategic, and like a lot of times he used the natural character characteristics of those lenses he was using to kind of frame up his shot. Like there was one in particular where Nick Cage is to the 
left of the screen and he's got all this blue light flare on the other side but it looks like windows in the distance yeah. and if you didn't know any different you would be like oh look I, I think those are windows but realistically what they were is just the lens flare and i thought that was little things like that was really cool it shows someone who knows the the tools they're working with really well yeah man yeah i can't say or speak highly enough about the the filmmakers in this case but you know, same thing with the, the producers. Like, everybody involved in this saw, like, this guy has a vision, and we just got to let him yeah. get his vision out. Even if we don't understand it. That's even and, what they said in the beginning. He was yeah. like, I don't I don't understand this at all, but yeah. I see something <laughs> unique in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really fun, unique movie. Uh, I don't think it'll get a sequel. Mandy 2 into the Mandyverse. <laughs> um, it's probably not going to happen. Um, she Mandy. <laughs> yeah. So where the franchise goes next, nowhere. No. But where is the, the director going next? Yeah, that's the big question. The, I don't care where the... I don't think of, the franchise is Panos Cosmatos. Yeah, know? exactly. He um, is the franchise. Whatever he decides to do next. So whatever he's working on currently will probably be something interesting to keep an eye out for. I'm sure it will. I Let's see. Uh, directing. He has two upcoming projects. Oh, there we go. He has a, a looks like an episode of that uh, Cabinet of Curiosities show that Guillermo del Toro is doing. I think it's going to be on Netflix. Okay. So that's cool. So he's finding the right crowd, or the right crowd found him. Because, you know, like for a movie like Mandy, you know that this guy has to be a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. Oh, like, without a doubt. <laughs> like, it's pretty incredible. Um, and he also has another movie in production called. Necrocosm. Necrocosm. Yeah, that was in pre-production, though. So who knows? Phantasmagorical fantasy nightmare set deep within a strange galaxy. So it sounds exactly like this. Or this sounds like Mandy, too, honestly. Two lovers are torn apart as they try to survive a malevolent invasion. Yeah, it does. It's probably going to be incredible. Uh -huh. Can't wait. So that's one to keep your eye out for. Necrocosm. Spelled with Ks for some reason. For, for effect. So it's easier to Google. It is. Yeah, Mandy. Mandy, check What'd it you, out. How did you feel about Mandy? I thought it was good. I thought it was, uh, like I said, I, as I said in the beginning, watch it in the dark room. Make sure you don't have any of that TV glare. It Definitely. would have been much more effective. But I thought all the choices they made were great. I think Nick Cage was awesome. <laughs> if you love Nick Cage now, then you're going to love this movie. Yeah, and this movie, I think, like everybody says, you know, there's the famous the famous episode like from, from Community about Nicolas Cage, good or bad. It's like a class they, they take <laughs> in, the, in the show. And Abed goes crazy because he, he watches all the Nicolas Cage movies and he just can't, who he wouldn't? can't figure it out. Is he good or bad? <laughs> um, and he just has a whole Nicolas Cage-inspired breakdown. It's amazing. Um, so is Nicolas Cage a good or a bad actor? I think he's both. Yes, Nicolas Cage is a known quantity. He Like, if... A director knows how to properly apply Nicolas Cage to their movie. <laughs> He's amazing. It's like salt. Yeah. Or some, you know, crazy type of seasoning that, <laughs> I don't know, will hurt people if it Guy goes am. too much. Yeah. Nicolas Cage is ghost pepper. He could be. We, we've never seen them in a room together. But I just think he's... <laughs> 
he he he's such he's so great in this movie, and clearly, uh, Panos Cosmatos knew how to use him. Yeah, I think he's gotten better with age because he's even a little more extravagant yeah, and in a good way. Yeah, there's there's a there's a finesse to to his mania. Yeah, that's that, I think it's good. And it's I aged think, well. Yeah, when you have Nicolas Cage and you say, "Hey, your wife just died. Here's a bottle of vodka. Go in that room and scream." <laughs> I mean, that's the right way to use Nick Cage. Uh-huh, exactly. You know? Exactly. Sure. Scream and go through as many emotions <laughs> as possible. This is an acting lesson right here. This is something you do in acting school. He can steal a declaration of independence, obviously. He's uh-huh. qualified for that. We have seen that. What, he can also wear John Travolta's face. That's true. He can. He can he do can that. Be he's a he's good at being John Travolta. He was John Travolta most of the movie. He was always <laughs> driving to be the yeah. guy. Uh-huh. Um they need to do He's good sequel. at being things. He's I, a good I, character actor. I was hearing rumors there's gonna be a face off like sequel. What? I mean, I don't care about John Travolta being in it, but I'd love Nick Cage back. Re face off. Yeah. Defaced. I want to know when Nick Cage is joining the MCU. Ghost Rider? Coming. Technically, he's already in the MCU if we believe that every comic book movie is its own universe. Oh, well, I guess, universe. yeah, he did do the Ghost Rider movie. Yeah, he did two of them. <laughs> he, there was a second one? He was he rebooted and survived. He's unrebootable. <laughs> I didn't even remember He's the one second of the, one. The unrebootables. Oh, I do remember they like ended in like the church, the Mexican church standoff or something. That's the first one. Oh, That's okay. The first one, Ghost Rider, that had like Eva Mendez in. Yeah. Uh huh. And that one's kind of eh. That's the one I remember. But then they did another one called Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, uh, which was much darker. And I don't even. I don't know if I've even seen that. Much much shakier cameras. With Nick Cage. Yeah, that's what I mean. They rebooted it and did it again, but kept Nick Cage. Cool. It's like if if they rebooted the Daredevil show but kept Ben Affleck, you know, <laughs> like because it, it, you can't get rid of Nick Cage. You know? Accurate. So I'd love to see him come back into the MCU well. as as Johnny Blaze. And considering in She Hulk we just met a character named Donnie Blaze. Donnie Blaze. Maybe. Huh? Uh, maybe. Maybe. So I haven't seen it yet. I still I know, haven't seen you gotta it. Watch that. One. I got. We're it. gonna watch it tonight. Yeah. So yeah, Mandy, check it out in theaters. Oh, it's, no, it's not. It's, nope, nope. Uh, on your TV. Nope, yeah. nope. It's on Blu-ray, where Josh brought it over so we can watch it and I can review it. There's probably they probably made more than one. Uh, I don't know. It might just be the one. So if you would like to rent this Blu-ray from Josh, Josh, how can they get a hold of you? Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. How can they get a hold of us to to rent the movie um, from you? You know what? Uh, how about you email unsolicitedconjecture at gmail dot com. Uh, and and tell us, and then maybe I'll let you borrow it. So, are there any other uh, places that maybe they should check us out as you pull up this wondrous ending song that you know we're going to be playing soon? Because oh. man, the these new theme songs you're creating are just amazing. The quality you can tell that you have been writing and perfecting these songs for literally years of your life. Oh yeah, I spend years and years. Uh, I mean, the, these melodies, they're so original. I do love to come up with completely original songs. And, and why don't songs. you play us one of those songs right now?
Well, this one, this is our this is our closing theme. Okay. This is our clo- this is this is what you hear when the credits roll of Perfect. the podcast. So just pretend uh, that you're seeing credits as you listen to this. And uh, next week, next time. Yeah, yeah. On the uh, show. Not next week, but the week after. Every we do two a month right now. We're doing two a month yeah, right now. Yeah, we're gonna do more movies. What movies should we do? Write, Write us in. in and let us know. And uh from all of us here at the Unsolicited Conjecture Movie Club. Uh, uh, uh I'm Jeremy and and I'm Josh. And uh bye. Well you're sad and you're tired. And your life's a dumpster fire. Both our mics are off. The earth is dying. Inflation and Morbius. Every day gets worse. Is it some kind of curse? What can you do to make it through this? Listen to... Unsolicited conjecture We know you didn't ask Unsolicited conjecture Josh and Jeremy do a podcast Unsolicited conjecture We talk about movies Unsolicited conjecture stuff you should probably see a therapist if that describes you